Welcome to today's sports and entertainment podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm Sean Heath, and today's show conversation lets me hang out with Matt Pauli, the Director of Marketing for Standard Golf. Matt, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing great, Sean. I'm, uh, how are you today? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking. Now, I hope I'm not great. taking you away from air quotes work. Um, that's what people always think when they think of someone who works in the golf industry that you're hanging out on, you know, the back nine every day, all day. And I, I think that's uh, officially called research, isn't it? Yeah, that would be research or uh, product development. Absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, I'm, I'm interested to find out, I'm always fascinated when people get to work a dream job like yours, I'm always fascinated with how they got there. So do me a favor and kind of give me your your journey from, I don't know, maybe uh, juniors or high school, you know, back then. Tell me about that journey from there to how you wound up at Standard Golf. Yeah, sure. Um, well, growing, you know, growing up, I always played golf. My uh, my family and my, my grandparents, my parents were golfers. So I was uh, around the golf course uh, at a very young age and got introduced to the game at a very young age and played as long as I can remember, I've always, always been playing golf and really enjoy the game. Both, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice chance to walk, uh, outside and go to the fresh air, maybe get some thoughts together in your own mind, but also it can be competitive. You know, you can go out and beat your buddy. You can go out and beat your own score. So it, it's not just, uh, you know, a walk in the park, so to speak. It can be a competitive game. Um, and that's what I've enjoyed about golf. And, um, as I grew up, I always knew that I, I wanted to get into sports and athletics, uh, as a career. And so I thought about all the typical careers. You know, I want to be a major league baseball player. I want to be an NHL goalie. I want to, I want to, you know, be catching touchdowns in the, in the Super Bowl. Well, um, genetics didn't help me get to those stages. So that, those weren't the cases. So I turned more towards the broadcasting and communications side of athletics. And, uh, you know, in college, I was uh, doing the sports radio for my university. Uh, we didn't have a TV station when I was in school. So I was doing, or, and the internet was just coming around in the, in the mid nineties. So. Um, we didn't have, po you know, podcasts or blogs or any of that stuff. So I was doing, uh, AM radio for the Michigan, uh, basketball, football, um, at the university as the student run radio and just really got involved in that. Got to be able to interview, uh, the players. I was at school the same year as the Fab Five. So you had those types of, uh, personalities and those big guys, uh, you know, athletes that you got a chance to cut your teeth talking to. Uh, I was able to travel to quite a few Big Ten media days for football and basketball and get a chance to, try to interview Bobby Knight and those types of uh, uh, well-known individuals. Um, wow, you are and, a bold man. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I got cussed out by Bobby Knight, so I guess I'm probably not in the minority there of people, but uh, it's kind of fun to have him turn around and yell at me. It was uh, I felt uh, like I had made it a little bit. Uh, but uh, that was fun. So, uh, you know, so athletics and sports was always something I wanted to do. I uh, got out of college and tried to find a sports casting gig around the country. And I was driving uh, from TV station to TV station, knocking on doors with a video resume and a paper resume, hoping to get that chance to be on air. Um, and it never came. So I felt like the out-of-work actor. So uh, I started, you know, in a, you know, had to get in a real job, if you will, and uh, started, you know, working in logistics and sales and marketing, honing your skills there out of how to uh, help uh, get products found and sold and purchased and always keeping a mind in, in, in athletics and sports. And uh, the, the romance story turns to where um, I was living in downtown Chicago. I met a lady. Um, she later became my wife, and she's from small-town Iowa. She thought about, hey, should we move? Let's move back to back here um, where we have family, and we can, you know, if we have a family ourselves, we have all these built-in babysitters. Well, 
she was from a small town, Cedar Falls, Iowa, which I knew that name. And how do I know the name Cedar Falls? Well, that's where Standard Golf is located. And uh, as I re as I knew that and started looking into it, every every so often as we thought about moving back, I kept an eye open on their website, kept an eye open. Are they doing anything? What are they, are they looking for jobs? And uh, lo and behold, oh, it was right after we moved to Cedar Falls, they were looking for a director of marketing. And I thought, holy cow, this is it. This is the chance for me to take the love I have for golf and athletics and combine it with this skill set and the knowledge I have from the from the marketing world. And, uh, and that, that's how it started out the, the marriage. So you mentioned, I, I want to go back a little bit to your time at, at Michigan and, and the Fab Five. And the reason I want to do that is that's when, as a sports fan, I associate that's when the long shorts really started to come in and, and the fab five sort of played basketball a little more aggressively and sort of their style of play together with their fashion style sort of signaled a, a change in college basketball, which then translated into a change in the NBA. So that sport, right. you've been able to look back and see a definite point. Oh, it changed here and then it changed there. And I'm curious, as someone who spent so much time immersed in the golf world, can you look back and see in a game that really basically hasn't changed from a normal layperson's viewpoint? It's it's still golf, right? Sure. Can you sure. pinpoint a couple of the changes that you've seen throughout your career that you look back and you go, wow, this really has changed. Yeah, well, I think the biggest change in golf has been the equipment. Um, you know, players, Jack Nicholas, Aro Palmer, Gary Player, were making amazing rounds of golf, playing great golf, using woods, what we call today, right? You know, the actual wood. And the, the club face was small. It was narrow. It didn't have the, you know, all of the technology that we have now. So with all these metal woods coming out of the market and the oversized club heads, I mean, and guys like Tiger and, Dustin Johnson and uh, you know Jordan Spieth. These guys, today's you know, golfers are swinging 110, 120 miles an hour, getting ball speed, and the technology is just launching these balls. And so what would be really neat um, would be to see a guy like Jack Nicholas in his prime using today's equipment. Could he hit the ball 400 yards? Could he, could he you know, what would he do with that? So that's the swing in golf. And, um, you know, you hear about it in baseball, the live ball era and the wood bats and so forth. So I think that's a, you know, exactly the date that those medals started coming out, Titleist and TaylorMade and those guys started having them. I want to think it was a, I, I don't even want to guess the date. I don't, I can't call it, but that's, that's kind of the turning point where golf started to, to change. I think with the technology allowing people to hit the ball that much further and that much more um, uh, forgiveness. And so it's interesting, you know, what would these, uh, the, the players from the sixties and earlier, what, what could they have done in today's equipment in their prime? That is a really a fascinating sort of experiment because you think about how unforgiving those clubs were. Their skill level just had to be off the charts in order to to even uh, to even fade a ball or to draw a golf ball. Their their skill level just had to be unbelievable. Yeah, the hand eye coordination, their ability to hold their weight back just a little extra to get the spin, the goal, like you said, to fade or draw it. Was was just I think it was was on was unparalleled and, and the the guys today are great they hit the ball a ton they can shape it with you know I can't shape a golf ball I'm hoping I'm hoping it's going straight toward where I'm aiming and, and when you go to a lot to a tournament and you're able to watch these guys in live and stand behind someone 
in a practice round and watch them hit the ball up and, and bend it around a tree or better yet have them tell you they're going to do that and they do it. And it's just, wow, I, I couldn't, I, if I do that, it's on answer and I hit the toe. <laughs> well, you know, I know, and that, that brings up another question that I, I know it seems like this is sort of a, a meandering conversation, but I find these the most interesting. Do you yeah. think that the forgiveness of clubs comes at the expense of developing feel as a golfer? You know, because I think that um, maybe on the power, grip it and rip it, perhaps. But uh, the 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 touch around the green, that's all touch. That I mean, the the clubs, the wedges, the the tour has uh, requirements about how many grooves they can have, how deep they can be, their spacing. So that hasn't changed. So I think the players' touch around the greens, that's still a feel thing. That is a a practice, practice, practice. And and some of those guys have the touch. You know. Uh, when Jordan's winning a lot, Jordan is putting very, very well. Uh, you saw last year when Dustin Johnson went on a streak of winning. He won four, five, six in a row. He was bombing the ball, but then he was dropping his approach shots to five, ten feet of the pin. So learning the, for him to get that distance control and the spin to be able to stop the ball so close, he was unbeatable for a couple of months uh, because of that skill set. And that's a, that's a learn. That's a touch. That's a, um, a feeling that they learn for the game. You know, looking at sort of the areas that standard golf excels in it's when a lot of people think of golf they they think of greens you Mm -hmm. know they don't really think about tee boxes and they don't do a whole lot of thought about the fairway especially since most of us who aren't really good golfers don't get to see the fairway a lot in real life i see it on (laughs) tv all the time i hear it's nice right right um but you at standard golf i want to talk just briefly you kind of had a have a focus on the tee box and the green, those are really kind of your strong suits. Yeah, yeah. We've we've got thousands of products that we make from tee to green, everything that the golf course superintendent needs to get the golf course playable and for the players to be able then to meander their way around the course. So like you said, you start the tee box, okay, here well we can do signage, any type of sign, any type of material that'll tell you, you know, from simply hole one, par four, four hundred and fifty yards from any one of these three T markers to full on laser-designed uh, images of what the hole looks like in front of you at the tee box. Of course, we have ball washers and, and yardage markers there on the tee. And then, then as you move off and go through the fairway, uh, you won't find many of our hazards markers or out-of-bounds states, hopefully, in the fairway. They'll be a little bit further off. You may be more familiar with those, John, as you, as you have talked. Uh, yes, you know my game very well. <laughs> um, but so we'll have those, uh, you know, rope states, signage for carts to move, you know, stay in the cart path, go this way, go that way. Um, and then once you get to, of course, uh, the sand traps, we do uh, make a, a bunch of bunker ranks, sand trap ranks of different kinds for different types of sand, different style of maintenance. And then, of course, you get to the green, and, and we'll do the cup, we'll do the flag stick. But the most iconic or the most noticeable item, usually on a golf course, is the golf flag. And uh, we make those as well, And you know, from embroidery to screen printing to dye sublimation. And we've been really lucky to be able to make some of those flags for some of the, um, the game's biggest events, which has been really, that's exciting to see them on TV. I have to say, a job that I don't know that I would have the patience and I definitely don't have the skill set to to accomplish adequately would be a a golf course superintendent or a greenskeeper. Mm-hmm. I there's no way the amount of abuse that a golf course takes, and I'm not talking about because of you know angry upset golfers. I'm talking just the natural flow of golf. The abuse is just massive. Sure. Yeah, these superintendents, you know, um, 
Caddyshack came out. Everybody saw the Bill Murray character, uh, Carl Speckler from Caddyshack, and they think he's kind of a happy-go-lucky sort of guy. Don't get the gopher. I don't get the gopher. But these superintendents nowadays are amazingly smart people. They all have college degrees, and they're in sciences, you know, you know, they're physics, chemistry. They're having to know, okay, how much water do I apply on this specific breed of grass for the type of climate I have? What chemicals do I use? What chemicals do I not use? You know, what's what's the makeup of the fescue? What's the makeup of the of the sand even in the bunker? I mean, it's really amazing talking to these guys and gals, just how smart they are um, and, and their knowledge. I mean, the, you know, autonomy is just taking on, a, it's not just for your farmers anymore. These guys are are, are true scientists, and it just amazes me uh, their love for the game, the love and passion to get these golf courses in the most amazing shape um, for the conditions in which which you play. You know, from from being here, I'm at the PGA Show here in Orlando right now, so it's hot here year round, all the way up to someone up in you know upstate New York or the the Great Northwest with all the rain that we get. These superintendents know how to handle it, so the courses are in the best shape possible when their members or their or the public comes out to play and can really enjoy the game. So as you spend this time and and have these in-depth conversations with what current core superintendents are using and kind of what they wish they could use, that obviously must be used to inform sort of the direction that you see products or, or projects moving. Is there anything that you can you know, tell me that's not a secret right now. Is there anything you can tell me, maybe a product or, or let me make it a little more general. What direction do you see certain uh, golf course products moving within the next, say, two to three years? Well, um, well the big global issue really is going to be water. How do golf courses utilize the fresh water that you have um, to keep them watered, you know, uh, so that's the big issue really is how are we going to solve that? How are we going to make it so that, um, the, the water that we have, especially in areas like the Southwest isn't, uh, underused or overused and, you know, so that the people and animals can, can use it for their own livelihood. So that's the big question. How are we going to help with the water and conserve it? Um, you'll see golf courses already using non-potable water and things of that nature to help that they can use. So that's the immediate, or that's the global big picture view. The immediate changes in golf is, is really trying to make it more social, trying to make it more personalized, have the experience. Uh, golf has got a great tradition. It's been around for hundreds of years. Uh, but how do we get the next generation involved? How do we get them to play? And I think it's really with the personalization. You come to an event, everybody wants a, their, their name in lights. Well, we've come up with a technology that we can make a flag that is going to be different on hole one versus two versus three without having to re-screen print every single one. I mean, you can make them personalized. So if you're holding an event for the Boy Scouts or for, um, you know, the, the local chamber of commerce all the way up to, uh, you know, the, the PGA Championship, for example, you could have uh, any logo, any design you want and really personalize it for your club, your event, your city. And I think that's really a, a neat aspect that courses and players are liking to see and enjoy. You touch on a really important point, and that is it doesn't matter how beautiful or how self-sustaining or how environmentally conscious a golf course is if there's nobody playing golf. So that challenge to really include the next generation, that, that's probably something that's right on your desk all day, every day. Right. How do you, how do you get them to play the game? How do you get the next, you know, uh, how do you get the next level of people to come play? And golf's in an interesting spot right now. Um, 
in a, in a lot of different crosshairs. You know, some people will say, oh, it takes too long to play. It's too expensive to play. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how to play the game. And on the flip side right now, you've got a lot of talk, um, you know, with, with the CTE, with the closed head injuries, with people getting concussions from any other sport, you know, soccer, football, you know, even baseball, hockey, I suppose, skiing. So golf doesn't have that contact. So there, it could be a window here for us as an industry to, to step on that podium and talk about how golf is a great, safe environment or a, uh, avenue for, for folks to learn to play the game. And you still can learn teamwork. Uh, the Ryder Cup is a great example. The Solheim Cup, another, where there are teams playing against another team. It's not always just the uh, mano a mano, if you will, you know, one on one. It's, it's, you know, so you can still learn all those things you learn in team sports. You can still go out and have a great time um, and, and, and enjoy competition and camaraderie in the game of golf. And so I think that's uh, something we need to lasso and pull together. And as the names that you mentioned, people get the wrong impression about golf. Athletes have always played golf. Nicholas Palmer, those guys were both straight up athletes. They were star athletes. Then you come into Tiger, then Justin. I mean, these guys aren't waddling around with beer bellies. You have actual world-class athletes that play golf as a sport. Yeah, yeah it really has. Uh, you know, I think the connotation may have been opposite that for many years, but the reality is, as you mentioned, it's, you know, the golf course, 18 holes, you know, 6,500 yards. You're w walking, you know, four miles, five miles around. Uh, and these pro golfers are doing that five or six days a week let alone then having to maintain the concentration to hit a small little white ball and fade it, push it, do what they do with it. Um, and they have to walk. And so there, there's some endurance there as well as the, the mental uh, strength they have to have to be able to calm it down. And I think to kind of think of the, the movie for the love of the game, you know, the, the, the pitcher's trying to throw the no hitter. He's at Yankee Stadium and all the noise and sound and he calms himself and boom, it comes to nothing and he's able to focus. And these are what these golfers have to be able to do. And the great thing about golf is, while there are great athletes that play it, you don't have to be a world-class high jumper. You don't have to be, you know, a World Series quality player to play golf. Really, what you have to have is you have to have the desire to want to play and get better. That's really yeah. the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favorite analogies I like to make about golf is, you know, you sit, you know, we all, you know, you sit and watch the NFL on TV. And you get your buddies together. Hey, let's go play uh, flag football at Soldier Field. You, you can't do it. But you sit here and you watch the Farmers Open here in a couple of weeks. And you go, you know, let's go out to Torrey Pines in San Diego and go play at that golf course. You can do it. I mean, it might, it's going to cost some money. And, and you may have to have a six-month waiting period or whatever to get the tee time. But you can go do it. You know, hey, let's go play softball at Ridley Field. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. But you can go play Pebble Beach. You can go play a lot of golf courses where you see your idols and the pros play. Well, I have to say I'm really I'm really happy with the in looking through the website of seeing the all the developments that you guys are making. I don't see the Sean Heath Memorial personalized out of bound marker, but I'm sure <laughs> that's under development. That's um, one of the ones I couldn't know. talk about. I didn't want to support a surprise you there. That's a, you know, that's okay. <laughs> it's since it's my name that's going to be on there. I think I can let the cat out of the bag. So those will be for sale uh, <laughs> sometime in the near future, I'm sure. Excellent. And I think that comes with a uh, case of golf balls that's <laughs> usually about how many 
I use on the front nine, give or take. Depends on how generous I'm feeling that day. Uh, <laughs> Matt, it has been really a pleasure to get to talk to you today. Thanks for taking the time um, out of uh, out of your convention season. I know the trade shows really get crazy, and you're building up those frequent flyer miles. But I really want to thank you for taking the time today. And today I have been talking to Matt Paul the Director of Marketing for Standard Golf. Matt, thanks so much. I wish you safe travels. Sean, thanks very much for having me. Always a pleasure talking, and I I love the game, so it's great to talk about the game of golf. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much. Hey, I look forward to talking to you again down the road. Be safe. Thanks, Thanks, Sean. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.